Hello, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I are going to be discussing Season 3, Episode 12, Chuck versus the American Hero. And to uh, kind of be serious for a moment, uh, I think it is kind of hard to discuss uh, heroes, American heroes, uh, at this particular moment in time without uh, kind of, you know, expressing gratitude for people, first responders, people on the working on the front lines, uh, helping take care of all of the rest of us during this, this crazy, crazy uh, pandemic that has been going on for a couple of months at this point. But, um, you know, I obviously it goes without saying that I think that, you know, we, Aaron and I, you know, if you were a, a first responder, if you're someone that is uh, working on the front lines, you know, we, Aaron and I are, you know, really, that's, that's incredible. And, um, you know, we appreciate everything that you're doing. I can't imagine what it's like having to go through all of what's going on and have it directly affect your, you know, what exactly you're doing at work and the fact that you're, you're helping people, uh, uh, you know, save their lives, make them feel better. And you have to stay away from your family and, and all of this stuff. And, and hopefully, you know, I, I know that a lot of places are kind of opening up and things are kind of taking a turn for the better, uh, as of, this particular moment. So I hope that continues to be the case and things get a little easier, but I know it's, it's not going to be an easy path ahead. And I know that it has certainly been difficult the past few months. So if you are in that situation, I, I hope that you realize that everyone appreciates what you've done and that you are the actual heroes here. Thank you for listening. Here we go. sound means that's right it's go chuck yourself we're back and my name is chris gillespie my name is aaron arada in this episode we're going to be talking about season three episode 12 chuck versus the american hero as part of hashtag season of aaron uh before we jump into that it's a great episode but here at go chuck yourself we often familiarize ourselves chuck is constantly as the show is constantly referring to uh, other pieces of media that have spies, secret agents, that kind of genre. It's constantly making allusions to that, uh, whether it's Mission Impossible or whether it's Spies Like Us, which is referred to in this particular episode. Uh, but we here at Go Chuck, Yourse- Go Chuck Yourself pride ourselves on keeping abreast of all of the media surrounding spies and agents and secret agents, that genre. We always are kept up to date on those things. So with that in mind, I'm going to play Erin a trailer for an upcoming movie or a recently released movie that she does not know anything about, but uh, I think it's important that she learns about it so we can have a meaningful discussion. Here. Toby, I know my sister's in this weekend, but you and I know All right, we're watching really it. in charge, okay? It's you. This ordinary dog. I have everything under control. a big secret. <gasps> is the dog a spy? This is just like Good Boy. Do you read me? Hold your Oh my god, just like cats and dogs. Agent Barks, welcome to the party. The bad guys are getting smarter every day. So we got to one step ahead of them. I got is that Kathy no Bates. Problem. Toby? Uh, uh, hi guys. Toby, are you talking? No, 
Yes. Look, I'm not just your dog. I'm a highly trained government agent. Is this real? Is this like coming out soon? Auntie B invented some real game-changing gadgets. Someone must be after her. That's a very well-trained dog. You'll never get away with this lane. When things get rough. How are we gonna save Auntie B? I'm sorry I said that was Kathy Bates. Send in the top dog. Agents, mount up. Send in the top dog. We're tails deep in a government emergency here. This is, who let the dogs out better be played in this trailer? Thank you so much, everyone. John Lovitz. Hey, Ted. See, you were hearing that too, right? That's Dean Kane. Toby Barks. One more time. Break it down. It's go time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What is this? Is that related to Agent Cody Banks? So if if it was not clear, this movie is called Agent Toby Barks, which is clearly a pun on Agent Cody Banks starring Frankie Muniz. That we often talk about on the show. We talked about Cody Banks. We've been talking about Frankie Muniz himself. I can't. I can't form anything to say. Well, here I'm going to just make it even more difficult for you because I looked into this movie, Agent Toby Barks. It was just released in April. I cannot find any correlation between Agent Toby Barks <laughs> and Agent Cody Banks. They do not take place in the same universe. They have none of the same cast. It is not. This movie is made by Lionsgate. Lionsgate does not make Agent Cody Banks. There is no overlap between what the, the fuck content or crew of Agent Toby Barks and Agent Cody Banks. What the fuck? Oh my god! <laughs> this is insane. How did you even find this? How did I find this? I don't know. I oh my uh, god! I don't think we can record the episode. I think this just has to be like a weird bonus now. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> Agent Toby Barks. Agent Toby Barks, but has nothing to do with Agent Cody Banks. No. Absolutely, absolutely nothing. Absolutely not. That's insane. We're, when we get Frankie Muniz on the show, we're going to have to ask him about this. Let's see how he feels. Maybe how he'll file he a lawsuit. Yeah. That would be great. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> speaking of people who might get lawsuits <laughs> thrown at them, uh, me and Aaron talk about an episode of Chuck on the show. The episode is going to be Chuck versus the American Hero. We're not uh, talking about Agent Toby Barks. We are talking about other American heroes. We are, but maybe we'll see. Maybe there's going to be references to Chuck in Agent Toby Barks. Maybe I there's hope allusions so. to Agent Toby Barks and Chuck. That one's not a little sure. less likely. I was thinking you were going to show me the trailer for My Spy, which is another spy movie that I've really been looking forward to, starring um, Dave Bautista. No, but you're going to have to watch that one on your yeah, own. Yeah, I am. Yeah. But if maybe we're going to have to do an episode about uh, Agent Toby Barks. <laughs> I like the sound of that. I don't know how we could find it, but it says it's available on DVD and digital. So All right, we'll look for it. it we'll buy it on iTunes or something. So the episode that we're talking about is episode 12 of season three. I don't know if you knew this, Aaron, but this episode was originally supposed to be the penultimate episode 
Yes. Season three. I did not know this um, because I um, my boyfriend watched the last 15 minutes of it with me and he said, is this the season finale? And I said, no, <laughs> there are seven episodes after this, so I don't know what's going on. You would sure think that this is towards the end of a season. Yeah, but I guess NBC ordered six more episodes after this because I guess they liked it so much. So, so how, Chuck must be the only show that is... It's either a concern that they're not going to have more episodes. It's the only like, and then it becomes a concern that they have too many episodes. <laughs> they're just getting episodes all over the place. Yeah. Hard I, to say. I remembered the twist with Shaw that we will get to in this episode. Um, mm. I don't really remember anything else that happens. So how they pad this out for six or seven more episodes, who could say? We'll find out. Yeah. But before we do that, let's talk about this episode. Yes. So, uh, the episode starts and Chuck has arrived in D.C. We open on him walking through a hallway filled with other agents. He gets to the elevator and can't remember what floor he's supposed to go to to meet with General Beckman. He asks the man coming out of the elevator, but that man completely ignores him. Chuck is trying to keep it together and not freak out. Meanwhile, the guy who came out of the elevator, who never gets a name, but he's, we'll just call him the bad guy, I guess. He goes into the CIA morgue. The morgue attendant tells him she needs to see his badge, and he shoots her, which is honestly pretty heartbreaking. I felt bad for her. She seemed like a nice woman. Mm -hmm. The bad guy goes to examine a body, which turns out to belong to Hunter Perry. He, like, uses this kind of machine that, like, draws, like, I don't exactly know how to explain this. Like, it's like a magnet, sort of, that he uses to, like, pull something out of the guy's stomach from, like, by waving it over his stomach, he, like, draws it up through his body into his mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, and he then takes this kind of, like, flash drive-looking object out and makes a call and says the package is intact. Having finally made it to Beckman's office, Chuck encounters three secretaries and about six or seven other guys in suits also waiting to see Beckman. He sits down and apparently sits on his gun, which he promptly begins waving around. Beckman comes out and says, put that gun away, you're a spy now. But if we know anything from the last episode, waving a gun around, shooting people, is what spies do. <laughs> I appreciated that Beckman just has like a large waiting room outside yeah. of her office. Like yeah. she's a doctor and yeah. there's just other spies sitting there allegedly. And they all look at, give, give Chuck dirty looks and are upset when he gets called in first. So like another thing that is brought up like sort of around the scene is Chuck said, Chuck is describing Beckman um, and refers to her as having red hair, which is true, but it's not something I ever associated with her. Have you, like, were you surprised when he said that, or do you just, like, know that she has red hair? Yeah, she's a little red-headed woman. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess she is. I didn't, like, I didn't think she had a different color hair. I just didn't ever think of, like, like, she just, I don't know, she transcends hair color in my mind, I suppose. So in their meeting, Beckman the Redhead tells Chuck that they're sending him to live on a villa in Rome where he'll be posing as a billionaire or some such thing. Chuck is concerned that this is all moving a little fast. Beckman points out that they've been training him for three years, so no, it's not actually moving that fast at all. Chuck says he's reluctant to begin a new life when he was just beginning to feel comfortable in his current one, and Beckman asks, what did you think we were training you for? Which is honestly pretty valid, although I do feel for Chuck in this moment. She offers him a week off to recuperate, which is pretty generous, and then she expects him to return to D.C. and pick a team. Chuck is like, team? And Beckman says he can pick any agents he wants to go to Rome with him, so Chuck immediately heads back to Burbank so he can ask Sarah to join him. That's definitely not what Beckman meant when she said that, because, like, we know Sarah has another assignment, but Chuck, like, she doesn't really stop Chuck from going off and doing his merry thing. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, she probably was referring to the uh, all of the agents waiting in her waiting room yeah. that are not on assignment that yeah. could join the team instead yeah. of taking Sarah. Just anyone. I wanted to take a moment and uh, give a shout out to some listener intel that was provided yes. uh, via email to us from Sydney, who is a listener of the program uh, that has some information about this scene. In the photo, uh, Beckman shows Chuck a picture of the villa in Rome that he's going to be staying in. And Sydney says, this villa is actually Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida. I think it's Flagler. Flagler? I'm going to say Flagler. This villa is actually Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida, where I went to school. I'm glad you were both healthy during all of this, and I look forward to your podcast weekly. That's so nice. So, Thank you, Sydney. That's very nice. Uh, I did do... I was kind of blown away that this was a college, because if you watch the episode or if you Google Flagler College and you see some of the images of, of it, it is beautiful. Yeah. And I can't believe it's a college that people can go to. Yeah. I feel like a real dumb idiot for spending <laughs> three and a half years in Boston when I could have gone there. And uh, Sydney, I am very happy for you. But then I was kind of wondering, why is this image in Chuck? Do you think Chuck has some kind of connection to Flagler College? Someone in the crew, prop department, someone? But there doesn't seem to be a definitive answer. All I could find was a what was basically a personal essay in the St. Augustine record, which is the local newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, a viewer of Chuck at the time had reached out to this newspaper to ask if they knew why Flagler College was featured in the episode. And rather than writing a story about the answer to the question, the newspaper reporter wrote a piece about his, <laughs> about all of the difficulty and inability he had to find the answer to her question. And he's like, I wrote to NBC and I just got a boilerplate response back and I don't know the answer to this. Uh, That's pretty so in, cool, actually. In sum, Sydney, thank you for listening. We're glad that you enjoy the show. Uh, thank you for your well wishes. And also, Go Lions, which is Flagler College mascot, as well as our former mascot. Woo, go Lions! Fighting Lions! Rawr! So yeah, that's... Um, it's a pretty good deal for Chuck if he's going to be like, if his home is going to be an entire college campus. More like Van Wilder, am I right? Despite the fact that she was all jazzed about her fellowship in the last episode, Ellie begins this episode telling Devin she was able to get a sabbatical. And the way she says it, she's just like, I didn't even have to ask. They just offered me a sabbatical. That kind of sounds like they fired her. I don't think that's what <laughs> actually happened, but that's pretty weird that she didn't ask and they were just like, yeah, leave. You want time off, Ellie? You know what? Fine. <laughs> Take as much time as you want. Oh, really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Help yourself. As, enough, uh, as much time as you want. Oh, seriously? I can do whatever I want? This is great. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs> yeah, they just gave me a sabbatical. Yeah, so that's what <laughs> happened. Um, she and Devin are excited that they can go to Africa. So you you kind of explained this in our last episode about um, the the scenes that led up to uh, Devin feeling unsafe and really pushing for going to Africa and like the deleted scenes that weren't actually in the episode. So for me, having not seen those deleted scenes and then moving on to this episode, I was, I was a little confused about why Ellie was just like, yeah, of, like, I know that we decided like a couple episodes ago that we were going to stay, but now we're leaving. I'm happy about it. Um, <clears throat> but she does seem happy about it. She says that now that Chuck seems to be moving on, taking business trips to Washington, she feels comfortable leaving. Devin sees Chuck pass the window in a suit, so he pauses his conversation with Ellie and heads over to Chuck and Morgan's apartment. Inside, Chuck has bought roses and chocolates for Sarah in order to win her back and convince her to join his team. As he and Morgan talk about Chuck's future assignment, Devin pops in to say that Chuck had better get the hell out of Dodge so that Ellie will agree to go to Africa. 
Casey then pops out of nowhere to ask Chuck what's going on, which made me laugh so hard. I love seeing all these guys together. I love Casey just like apparently having used the Morgan door. He just like pops out of the kitchen. He's like, I'm here too. Apparently the deal is that Devin wants Chuck safely gone and Casey and Morgan both want to be on Chuck's team. So everyone has a vested interest in Chuck winning back Sarah so he can get his show on the road. I'm pretty sure, again, that Beckman didn't mean Chuck could ask literally anyone in the world to be on his team. (laughs) Like, I don't think she's going to agree to Morgan or Casey, but no one really questions this. So Chuck returns to Castle to appeal to Sarah, who doesn't seem to want anything to do with him. He asked her to come with him to Rome, pointing out that this was the plan he and sort of they talked about literally in the last episode, wherein he passes his spy test and then they can be together. Sarah says that Chuck isn't the guy she fell for anymore because he killed someone. Chuck is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here, but he tries to tell her that what she saw on the train tracks isn't what she thinks she saw. She doesn't believe him. Shaw walks in at this point, and I know he's kind of the most hated Chuck villain, but I honestly thought he was such a sweetie at this point, because Sarah says Chuck was asking about Rome, and Shaw is just like, you should have asked me! I know all about Rome! And he just, like, kind of seems like a good guy. Mm -hmm. He leads Chuck away, and Chuck and Sarah share a sort of wistful look. Later, Chuck drops into the Buy More, which he may or may not still work at, to tell Casey that his meeting with Sarah went poorly. Casey remains adamant that if Chuck wants to keep Casey safe and remain a spy, Chuck cannot tell Sarah or anyone that Casey was the one who killed the mole. Chuck says it's hopeless, and he's going to tell Beckman that he's quitting. I didn't really think that was an option, but Chuck seems to think it is. Morgan comes over, and Casey tells him that there goes their chance to get out of the Buy More, but Morgan says that love is a battlefield, and it's time for them to get to work. That's pretty good. Thank you. Morgan goes over to Jeff and Lester, and I thought he was going to request a Jeffster performance of Love is a Battlefield in order to prove his point, (laughs) but instead he just asked them to borrow something. You would have loved that. I was so terrified of that because I was like, (laughs) sir, that's what was going to happen. I was like, Jeffster's going to do Love is a Battlefield later in this episode. And Uh, it was, thankfully, they did not. Yeah. The thing that Morgan wants to borrow is apparently Jeff's van. I was kind of unclear. Like, I guess maybe Jeff's the only one with a car, or maybe they needed a car with a lot of space, but I don't know. Yeah, I think they needed a big van. Yeah, so they they get a van. As Chuck is leaving the Buy More that night, Devin, Casey, and Morgan kidnap him and bring him to Sarah's date with Shaw, which he's apparently just gonna put on a suit and crash. I don't 100% get this plan, but it turns out that there's another plan in action, which I understand a lot better. The bad guy from the beginning is also staking out Sarah and Shaw's date, and he's planning to kidnap Shaw. And maybe kill him. I don't know. We're not sure what he's going to do with Shaw, but he's he's going to get him. After commenting on how hot Shaw is and how Shaw ordered for himself and Sarah at dinner, which is apparently a good thing according to all the men, Devin and Morgan get into an argument about how Chuck should best approach winning Sarah back. Devin wants Chuck to play it cool, but Morgan wants Chuck to lay it all on the line. Apparently, NBC shows of this time were very into the idea of a hotness bubble, because Morgan takes this time to point out that Devin is living in one. Morgan tells Chuck he'll take care of Shaw, so all Chuck has to worry about is Sarah. What, what do you mean that NBC shows had there was one, There was a 30 Rock episode about it, where there was, like, oh. the guy living in the bubble. I forget who it was. Oh. It was John Hamm. Oh. And I assume, like, I think these were both around the same time. Yeah. So, that's interesting. As Chuck exits the van, the host of the restaurant approaches Shaw and tells him that he has a phone call at the front of the restaurant. Have you ever seen that happen? Like, presumably that, I I guess, like, if I called a restaurant and I said, hello, is someone there named John? Like, could you just go check? 
But the host came directly over to Shaw. Like, he didn't hesitate. Well, if Shaw... So, it's like a fancy restaurant. So, if Shaw made a reservation, they would know that someone named Daniel Shaw is there. So, if Morgan called and said, is Daniel Shaw there, they would know that mm-hmm. he was there. Okay. So, um, Morgan probably hasn't... Spoiler, spoiler alert, Morgan's called the phone, and yeah. he has a voice garbler, but he probably didn't garble his voice to talk to the maitre d'. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, though, if he was like, Hello, Isana. I'm looking for one Daniel Shaw. Uh, he's tall and handsome and has brave and black hair. That was pretty much your um, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm looking for Daniel Shaw. <laughs> it gets me every time. Being alive. <laughs> uh, I won't do that again, I'm, I promise, listener. Uh, <laughs> Shaw answers the phone and we hear a cryptic garbling voice that does not sound like Adam Driver. Uh, the voice purports to be from the ring and tells Shaw to listen to all of their instructions if he wants to protect everyone in the restaurant. As we learn, the mysterious voice is actually Morgan. Using a voice modifier in the van, Morgan exits the van to get a better look and instructs Shaw to exit the restaurant, giving Chuck the chance to get alone time with Sarah. As this is happening, the actual ring operatives, who are also in a different van outside, overhear Morgan's transmission and are confused because they're supposed to be the only ring guys there, which I thought was kind of funny. Chuck enters the restaurant and walks over to Sarah's table. Sarah is stunned, and she asks Chuck what he's doing there, and he says that he's there for her. Sarah asks him what he wants her to say at this point, and he says that he wants her to say that she'll come to Rome with him. But Sarah says that Chuck knows why she can't do that. Chuck threatens to make a scene in the restaurant to get Sarah back, and Sarah says, good, I want you to lead every single person here in the restaurant in doing the Macarena. (laughs) And Chuck does just that, and it's splendid. And then he and Sarah kiss, and it's magical, and they get married the next day, and then they have a hundred children. <laughs> the end. Very That's impressive. the story of Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Sarah says that all Chuck needs to do is tell her the truth about who killed the mole in the train yard. Chuck says that moving forward, he will never lie to her, but he needs to have this one secret for now. Meanwhile, Morgan is still working on luring Shaw out of the restaurant while the actual ring listens in. The actual ring sends orders to take out the fake ring. Shaw has some kind of motion detector on his BlackBerry, and he's, like, detecting Morgan's motions. I don't know. He takes his his gun out while he sneaks around the back of the restaurant. He sees and hears Morgan pretending to be the ring and sneaks up on him. Obviously, Shaw is pissed, and he pushes Morgan into a wall and asks if Morgan has any idea what he's doing. The ring are dangerous people. Back in the restaurant, Chuck says that he knows Sarah doesn't think that he's the same guy he was when they first met. Chuck admits that this is true. He used to hate himself for not knowing what he wanted to do with his life or who to spend it with, but now he knows both of those things. He wants to be a spy and he wants to be with Sarah. Back outside, as Shaw is intimidating Morgan, two ring operatives run up with a taser. Morgan and Shaw see the taser and Shaw apologizes to Morgan and then promptly uses him as a body shield. Morgan is thoroughly tased and knocked unconscious. <laughs> and Shaw I'm, proceeds... I'm sorry for laughing at that. That's not funny. No, thoroughly tased is a good, yeah. a good phrase. Yeah. Shaw proceeds to knock out the ring agents. Once they're taken care of, Shaw realizes that Sarah has been left unattended. Sarah can fend for herself, Shaw. Like, she's fine. Well, he has to uh, order for her. He already ordered. The food should be coming. He I know, be but I mean, like, he, he does not think that she can order for herself or that she can protect herself, is what I mean. So, so you're saying if you were dining out with Daniel Shaw or Brandon Routh and he said, the lady will have Oh my this. god, that would be so fucking hot. But like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i want that now <laughs> so as shaw hurries back to the restaurant morgan wakes up i guess he wasn't that unconscious <laughs> and he takes out his walkie-talkie and tells devin and casey that they need to do something devin tells casey to act but casey says that he can't because he's a civilian 
So Devin takes it upon himself to be a civilian who runs out of the van. I mean, it's kind of tomato tomato, right? Yeah. They're both civilians. As Shaw sprints towards the restaurant and Devin sprints towards Shaw, the main ring operative from before steps out from around a corner and holds Shaw at gunpoint. Shaw tells the man to just shoot him now, but the ring operative says that he has orders to bring Shaw into his director who wants to speak with Shaw face to face. (gasps) Apparently, all of this is happening right outside of the window where Chuck and Sarah are sitting (laughs) because Devin tackles Shaw and both Devin and Shaw come crashing through the window onto Sarah and Chuck's table. It's a pretty shitty window. Shaw tells Devin that next time he should tackle the guy with a gun, and Devin is confused. It was a nice, like, a repetition. What is, like, a nice callback to, like, in the Angel de la Muerte, when, like, he tackled the wrong guy. I like how Devin, like, tries. But oh, that's strong. good. That's true. Yeah. I like that as a yeah. callback. I thought it was, like, was Devin just, did he not see the guy with the gun? Or what the deal was? But that's right. That's what it was. I assume that, like, in the heat of the moment, he was just, like, so focused on Shaw, like, he just didn't see that there was another guy. Yeah. It just all happened so fast. The next morning, Ellie is leading Devin, Casey, and Morgan back into the apartment complex, yelling, Jail? Seriously, guys? Jail? <laughs> Ellie says that she would have expected it from Morgan or from Casey, since they all know about Casey's public indecency problem, which is a callback to Chuck versus Operation Awesome. I love that. Casey's confused and, like, offended by this. Ellie did not expect this from Devin, though, and says that she doesn't want an apology. She just wants the truth. Devin starts to tell Ellie the truth, but then Casey steps in and says that it was about Chuck. Ellie says that Chuck is in D.C., but then Morgan says that Chuck actually came back to Burbank to win back Sarah. Ellie has a difficult time believing that Devin ended up in jail trying to salvage Chuck's love life and is upset that Chuck went to the three of them before she before he came to her for help. It's valid. Valid reason to be concerned. Yeah, that's fair. Back in Castle. Beckman informs Shaw and Sarah that the ring operative who tried to bring in Shaw was the same man who removed the data capsule from Perry's corpse in D.C. Beckman says that they need the data capsule back and instructs Shaw to retrieve it. Shaw says that the plan is not enough and suggests that he willingly go meet with the director of the ring in order to find their location and smoke them out. Once he finds them, Shaw suggests that Beckman call in an airstrike. Sarah says that they should try to figure out what the ring wants and keep Shaw alive, but Shaw says that it doesn't matter and they should seize the opportunity to take out the ring's command structure in a single mission. Beckman reminds Shaw of the risk involved, but Shaw says that this is the moment they've been waiting for and that they need to take it no matter what. Sarah asks Shaw if he's trying to get himself killed, and uh, Shaw says the real question is whether he traded his life for the man who killed his wife, to which the answer is yes. Sarah says that she won't let him, but Shaw says that she has no choice. Shaw walks over to a locker where they've been keeping the ring phone and places the call. Someone answers very casually, They're like, hello? And Shaw <laughs> says that he's heard that they've been looking for him and he's ready to come in. Back in Chuck's apartment, a pissed Ellie is waiting for Chuck to come home. Chuck enters and says that he can explain and apologize for getting everyone involved with his problem. He says that he went too far, but Ellie says that he didn't go far enough. She says that Sarah is special, and if Chuck loves her, then he shouldn't stop. He shouldn't quit, and he can never go far enough. Ellie reminds Chuck that he's a Bartowski, and he needs to start acting like one. Which, to be fair, Chuck, get like, being a Bartowski means that he should probably be getting ready to leave his loved ones and their problems <laughs> behind as he assumes a new identity in Rome and pretty much never thinks about them ever again. That's pretty much the most Bartowski thing he could be doing. I mean, that's that's a good point. My concern about this was that it's, like, a sweet concept in the episode because we know Chuck, but, like, that's pretty bad advice that, like, you should, like, if you love someone and they don't love you back, you should never stop. You can never go far enough. That's, like, <laughs> that's like Morgan's view. I didn't, yeah, I didn't like it from Ellie. Yeah, it's kind of... 
it, she's trying to be romantic, but yeah. it's like, eh, you can go too far yeah, in some circumstances. Yeah, you definitely can. I don't, what did you even make of, like, Chuck trying to win back Sarah with, like, chocolate and flowers? Like, did you think that was kind of, I thought it was kind of trite and hokey. Yeah, I thought it was weak, because, like, I don't know, it was, it was just so, like, different and less genuine even than, like, the other time he, like, put on his white jacket and he, like, showed up at her door with flowers. Like, that was sweet. This was just kind of, like, I don't know, I, like... It was Here's so some much... random shit. Hope you like it. Yeah. Hope you go like, out with me again. Because in the last episode, he like had like the sizzling shrimps, and he had like the the mix from their first stakeout, and he had like champagne. Mm-hmm. Like that was nice because that was personal. But like chocolate and flowers, I don't know. Is Sarah a chocolate and flowers kind of person? I don't know. Is anyone a chocolate and flowers kind of person? I feel like it's. Just I mean, a like I wouldn't say point. no to it if someone like brought me them. Yeah, but are you letting someone out of the doghouse with the because of chocolate and flowers? No. Exactly. I mean, unless I was mad at them because they had not given me chocolate and flowers. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Back in Castle, Sarah pleads Shaw not to go to the ring, but Shaw won't hear it. Shaw says that he needs to do it, and the two share a very passionate kiss. Chuck walks in at this moment to catch the tail end of the kiss and to watch Shaw perform the most romantic gesture of them all, taking out a tracking beacon to show Sarah, (laughs) explaining how it works, and then swallowing it in front of her. And this thing... This this is a big thing. It's like the it's size really of like, a, it's like the size a of your thumb. USB drive. Yeah, yeah, like a thumb. <laughs> and he just swallows it completely dry. Chuck comments on Shaw's esophageal prowess, and Shaw and Sarah turn around. Shaw approaches Chuck and tells him to take care of Sarah, and then grabs his coat and leaves. Ooh. Chuck asks where Shaw's going, and Sarah, tears in her eyes, explains that Shaw is sacrificing himself to the ring to find their location. Chuck is left speechless. I feel bad for Sarah at this point. That sucks. Things are getting a little heavy right now, so let's check in with the buy more. (laughs) Jeff and Lester are performing inventory by scanning packages of batteries on a fixture in no particular order. (laughs) All my years of retail experience could not explain what they're doing. They're they're acting like they're printing new stickers on something, like marking things down. Yeah, it was was unclear. No stickers to be seen. Uh... Jeff and Lester complain that they were left out of the previous night's hijinks and bemoan the fact that they let Morgan borrow Jeff's van. Lester points out that Jeff is the Picasso of creepiness, and Jeff agrees and says that this is his blue period. That was nice. Good line. Reaching his hand out and narrowly missing Fernando, who walks by. Oh, I like to see him. He looked like he had a haircut. Jesse Hyman, looking good. At this point, they notice Shaw walking outside. This is Jeff and Lester noticing Shaw. Uh, He parked outside of the Bymore, like in... What was basically like a handicapped parking spot. That's how close Shaw's parking spot was to the entrance of the Bymore. <laughs> Shaw gets into a slick black convertible. Jeff and Lester recognize Shaw as Sarah's new boyfriend and decide that they need to prove to everyone that they know how to be effective stalkers by following Shaw. Back in Castle, Chuck tries to process that Shaw is going on a suicide mission while looking at Shaw's location on the GPS, following that that big old tracker in Shaw's belly. <laughs> Sarah decides that she's not letting Shaw go in alone. Chuck, seeing how upset Sarah is, says that Shaw isn't going in alone and then activates Castle's lockdown procedure, locking Sarah in one of Castle's rooms. Chuck declares that he's going in to rescue Shaw and Sarah says that he can't because they'll both die. And Sarah asks why Chuck is helping Shaw, to which Chuck responds because he knows how much Sarah cares about him. Later that day, under an overpass, Shaw meets up with a ring operative from before We pan over to see that Jeff and Lester are also here watching Shaw's interaction with the ring unfold. Jeff speculates uh, that what they're seeing could be sexual in nature. Could be. Could be. The ring checks Shaw for weapons and then rip his shirt open. 
because you got to see those those abs. If you you got Brandon Routh there. You guys, yeah, gotta you're paying see him. if you're paying for him for one reason. <laughs> no, there's two reasons because he's also a good actor. The main ring operative says that he wants to err on the side of caution in case Shaw swallowed a tracker. Uh oh, and uses his electric magnet to move the tracker up from Shaw's stomach. Oh my god, was so <laughs> gross. This is very disturbing. Uh, Shaw's like all like gurgling and screaming. Yeah, and he's in pain. Yeah. The main ring operative is pleased when he retrieves the tracker from Shaw's mouth and then they ditch it on the ground. The ring throws Shaw into their van and they head off. Back in Castle, Sarah is trapped trying to find a way out. When she starts cycling through the Bymore security feed, she eventually finds Casey, who's uh, trying unsuccessfully to sell a vacuum cleaner to a couple of customers. Sarah breaks into an electrical panel in Castle and uh, interferes with some kind of electrical connection, which causes some lights to flash in the Bymore. And then Sarah uses Morse code to communicate something to Casey. And upon receiving the message, Casey leaves the vacuum cleaner in a hurry and uh, tells them that it's on the house as he hurries over to Castle. They must have, like, the Buy More has, like, such a bad, like, return on investment. Yeah, the loss prevention, the shrink going on there, as they would say, is uh, not great. Chuck eventually arrives below the overpass, which is now empty, aside from Chuck's nerd mobile and Shaw's car. Chuck looks around and finds Shaw's regurgitated tracking device on the ground and immediately swallows it himself. No, he doesn't. He just puts it in his pocket. At this point, Chuck answers a call from Lester and tells Lester that he's a little bit busy, to which Lester responds that he's also busy stalking Shaw. Chuck can't believe this, and Lester proves it by saying that he and Jeff are the best stalkers around. Chuck asks for their location, and Lester gives it to him, and Chuck says that he's on his way there now. Chuck is about to get back into the nerd mobile, but then sees Shaw's convertible sitting there unattended and decides to take that instead. Back in Castle, Casey enters without a problem, even though they probably changed all of the locks after they fired yeah, Casey. Yeah, it's questionable. Probably removed Casey's security access from the, the doors, but I don't know. Casey releases Sarah from her little holding cell and asks what's going on. Sarah quickly explains everything that's going on uh, with Shaw and the ring, and then pulls up the location of Shaw's tracker, which is actually in Chuck's pocket now. Sarah says that she's going to rescue Shaw and Casey kind of lingers in Castle, but Sarah tells him that he needs to get out because he's a civilian. Chuck arrives at the ring's warehouse and meets up with Jeff and Lester. Chuck compliments Jeff and Lester's stocking skills and thanks them. Jeff offers Chuck some brass knuckles and some nunchucks to use during the ensuing beatdown, but Chuck says that he doesn't believe in violence. Lester asks if Chuck expects Jeff and Lester to back him up in the beatdown and Chuck says no, so Jeff and Lester hop in the van and hurry out in a hurry. As they drive off, Chuck takes off his jacket, revealing a combat vest adorned with various non-lethal weapons. Much like many speakeasies in LA, you enter the ring facility through a vending machine. Chuck flashes on it and knows the password to press, like, different... I mean, it's all, like, the same drink, but he knows, like, what buttons to press. And then he rides it like a weird open elevator down to a white ring facility. Meanwhile, at the CIA base, Beckman is deciding to uh, send out the planes with the bomb. Shaw meets with the ring director, who says he doesn't want to kill Shaw after all, he just wants to educate him. He gives Shaw a flash drive, which has a video of Shaw's wife, Eve. Like, it's Shaw had given her a video camera, and it's like a very, like, nice, romantic, her, like, talking to him, and you can hear him, and she's, like, being beautiful. And then he, then the direct, and then the director switches it to surveillance footage from the night Eve was killed. And Shaw sees that the killer was Sarah. It was Sarah's <gasps> red test. She killed Eve. Shaw what? yells, no, and he tries to punch the director, but in fact, it was just a really good hologram. 
hate when that happens. Yeah, I hate that when, when that happens, too. The director says he'll be in touch, and someone unseen tases Shaw. A lot of tasers <laughs> in this episode. Meanwhile, a very real plane flies towards the ring facility over L.A., and Chuck takes out one of the bad guys. Two more guys come and disarm him, but then he flashes, and he starts beating one of them up. The guy drops a flash bomb. I think I think that's what it is, or a flash grenade. I don't really know what those are, but when mm-hmm. I saw it happen, I was like, that's what that is. And uh, Chuck and the original bad guy from the beginning of the episode, the guy from the elevator, they struggle for a minute, but then Chuck punches the guy and heads on his way. Chuck makes it into the black room where Shaw is and finds him unconscious. Again, the very real plane is flying over Griffith Observatory, and then it drops down to blow up the warehouse. Outside, Sarah has just arrived, and she's like, no, but then Chuck runs out holding Shaw, which is honestly really impressive. Like, Shaw is probably a heavy guy. They say earlier in the episode he's 220 pounds, so, like, good on Mm. Chuck for holding him. Yeah, yeah. Sarah is so happy that she starts to cry. Back at Castle, Beckman congratulates Sarah for destroying a ring compound. Sarah says it was all Chuck, and Beckman makes note of this. She then says she's looking forward to working face-to-face with Sarah in Washington. When Chuck comes in, Sarah says that Shaw will make a full recovery. Chuck appeals to Sarah one last time. He tells her he loves her, like, a bunch of times, I guess because it feels really good to say it out loud. It was certainly nice to hear it. He says she was right in Prague, and he wants to spend the rest of his life with her away from the spy life. Sarah says she's made a commitment, and not just to Shaw. Chuck tells her to leave with him anyway, and asks her to meet him at Union Station so they can escape together. Then they kiss, and he tells her he loves her again. So, this was this was nice. Like, if this had been the finale, it was a nice parallel to the first episode of them, like, they meet at the train station, they're going to escape, like, Chuck is waiting for Sarah, etc., etc. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah seems to have made that comparison as well, because she sort of smiles and cries again. Meanwhile, Shaw wakes up in a hospital. He puts on his wedding ring, which is on the table beside him. I didn't... Was he... Has he been wearing that the whole time? I thought he was keeping it in a box. Did he, like, put it on to go to this meeting with the ring director? Like, that seems like something he would do, like, symbolism-wise. Maybe he keeps it in his pocket. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. uh, Yeah, I think the implication is that he was not wearing it, but now he's... Now he's putting it on. So his phone rings, but we don't see who it is. And he answers it very intensely. Yeah. From now on in this show, everything Shaw does is going to be intense. Uh, We have a declassified scene here, courtesy of the DVD uh, box set of season three. Chuck has his bag together and is ready to leave his apartment. Morgan walks him out of the apartment and tells Chuck that if Sarah doesn't want to be with him, who needs her? To which Chuck says, I do. Ellie and Devin come out to say goodbye as well and assure Chuck that Sarah will show up. Chuck says that He'll see them soon, and Ellie says, hopefully not. (laughs) Devin says that they don't need to know where he is or what he's doing as long as he's happy. Ellie is sad, and Chuck takes one last look at his his loved ones and the apartment before walking away. That's, I mean, like, I think that's nice, because like we've said before, it is weird that Chuck is, like, so gung-ho on just like, all I need is Sarah. I'm not even going to say goodbye to my family. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still kind of i don't know i don't think it's enough it still seems weird that he's like okay i'm gonna go and they're like all right we we're fine with not seeing you again and i get like i get devin saying that like why devin would say we don't care Mm -hmm. where you are but i feel like ellie would like look at him and be like what like i want to know where he is yeah but i don't know okay cool so in her apartment sarah gets a knock on the door and opens it i thought it was going to be shaw or chuck but it's casey she invites him in Casey says he can't stay, but he wants to tell Sarah that 
Casey killed them all. Sarah is pretty floored by this, but she's also pretty happy. She thanks Casey for telling her. He tells her to have a nice life. And then there's happy music, and Sarah is like, yes. She's, uh, she's, she's packing. She's, it seems like she's gonna go to the train station. So we cut to Chuck waiting at Union Station, which, again, seems to be empty, and it looks like daytime, so I don't know, like, what's going on and where everybody is. Once Casey's gone, Sarah is back at her hotel room and she's packing, she's preparing to go meet Chuck, and we see her toss her gun onto the bed, like, as if she's gonna leave it there, and that seems like not a great idea, I don't know, um, about that. Is she moving out of this apartment? Is she gonna have to, like, clean up? Is, or, is, I guess she's probably renting all of that stuff, does the furniture come yeah. in place? Is someone I don't know. come in and find a government-issued gun? Well, at this... Chuck's still going to be paying rent with Morgan. They just moved into this big apartment yeah, there's together. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, at this point, my boyfriend who watched only... The only Chuck he's ever seen was the last 15 minutes of this episode. He asked a question that we've had many times, which is, why does Sarah seem to live in a hotel? It's a good question. Is it an apartment? Is it a hotel? It, no we knows. don't know. Nope. Um, Shaw shows up and he tells Sarah that they have to leave. There's some kind of urgent mission going on and they have to go right now. So something seems different. He seems like he's glazed over his eyes. Yeah, he's like pissed. He's, he's serious. He's intense. Yes. Uh, so Sarah obviously does not go to Union Station. Uh, so Chuck returns to his apartment defeated with his bag. Ellie, Devin, and Morgan come out and ask what happened. Chuck tells him that Sarah didn't show up. Morgan assures him that they'll get through this. And at this point, Beckman calls Chuck and tells him that she needs him to come to Castle ASAP. Chuck asks why she doesn't just call Sarah. And Beckman asserts that it's about Sarah and that Chuck needs to get to Castle now. Chuck hands Morgan his suitcase and runs away. So that's the classified scene. In the actual episode, I think Chuck is just at Union Station still and he gets a text from Beckman that's like, need you at Castle ASAP. Either way, he ends up at Castle. Beckman shows Chuck the video that they found in the wreckage of the Rings warehouse of Shaw's wife. Chuck is pretty alarmed by this, especially when he sees that Sarah was the one who killed her. He asks Beckman where Shaw is, and Beckman says that he is with Sarah. We cut to Sarah and Shaw riding into the sunset in Shaw's beautiful convertible. Sarah asks where they're going, and Shaw says to settle an old score. Ah! It's always, uh, it's always scary when you have the uh, bad characters driving with uh, one of the main characters. It's like when uh, Chuck was driving with Jill off the off the grid, yeah. off the radar. I also, um, here at the end of the episode, I just want to tell you a, a fun little tidbit. I told my boyfriend that everyone hates Shaw, and Seth said, I'm more of a Hobbs guy, and then he yelled at me for not having made that joke yet. So I'm, mm. I'm making it here, but I'm giving Seth the credit. Chuck versus the American hero is that episode, that's, Shaw being the what American that was, hero. yes. <laughs> uh pretty pretty significant uh symbology with the trains going on yeah now you know the the writers episode, of chuck were episode. like train kids they were the kids who were obsessed with trains i guess hey what do you what are you saying about train kids i'm okay. trying to say something derogatory about i'm train saying kids? they wrote the show chuck that's a pretty that's a compliment i know but you kind of had it you said it in a way they that, were train kids yeah you, you sneered when you said it did you have a train you. rug? I always wanted a train rug, but it was never something that I had. Well, I suppose I was a train kid. Do you have a problem with me? Love Thomas the Tank Engine and other trains as well. Did you ever ride the real Thomas the Tank Engine? That was uh, I don't. I don't think I so. rode it, and like the man with the big hat was on it. Like, and it was a it was a real Thomas. It was like a real train. It didn't go very far. It like did so like a loop. 
So you're a train kid too, then? I don't know. I mean, I like Thomas the Tank Engine. I would. I don't know if I'm a train kid. I didn't. I think it makes sense, like especially if it was going to be a if this is going to be the bookend to the season yeah. that they make sense, like the the train station yeah. imagery and everything. And it's interesting. Like it's kind of like a small scale version of like the airport scene. Like it's kind of a subversion or like a playing into that. But it's like trains. There's not a lot of mm. there's not as many things at train stations. I feel so. Yeah, kind of cool. Union Station looks nice. I mean, yeah. it's a lot more romantic, I guess, or prettier than uh, Penn Station. I feel like they just like had like. Maybe Union Station has like easier film permits or something because they like shoot there a lot. So, yeah, I was trying to figure because I was thinking that the last episode being at Union Station was going to be like the kind of callback to the train stuff. Yeah. But now this is definitely the callback yeah. to the train stuff. So I was like, why did they film the the other scene in Chuck versus the final exam? Like, why was that at a restaurant in the train station? Why was it in the train yard? Unclear. Unclear. Don't, know. Don't worry about it. Yeah. They had access to Union Station, so they yeah. just went for it. Yep. And we're just going to go for Chuck, Mary, Kill, which yeah, is let's the hop segment in. of the show where we uh, talk about one part of this episode we want to marry and one part of this episode we want to kill. Uh, I will start off by saying that I really like the, for my Mary, I really like the combination of Casey, Devin, and Morgan working together to help Chuck. I guess we will have a plural marriage, a plural <laughs> homosexual marriage. I'm sure uh, the fine folks at Fox News would be terrified of that, <laughs> that expression. This was a fun dynamic since Devin and Morgan now know the truth about Chuck and Casey. So it was cool that they were all able to kind of get together. They all had good chemistry and it was a nice change from what we've seen before. It was different enough, but it also didn't feel crazy or implausible, which was nice. I thought it was kind of interesting that all of the characters had their own stakes involved for wanting Chuck to get back with Sarah. Yeah. Even if maybe the believability of it wasn't airtight. Yeah. Because it's like Morgan thinks he's going to be a spy and Devin... I. Yeah, I can I get why like Casey Mor- wants to be on it, but... Yeah, I feel like Morgan and Devin's reasoning is, like, true enough to their characters. I feel like Casey would understand that he couldn't really actually be invited to be on Chuck's team, like, having had mm-hmm. his spy experience. But uh, I I buy that he would help. I'm just not sure, like, for that specific reason. Yeah, I think I enjoyed it because it almost felt like it was a crossover inside its own show. It yeah. was like a, a internal crossover. Yeah. In a way that I was like, ah, oh, these characters are in a different environment than they usually are in. I and agree. I, I really liked it. My Mary, um, I we've seen a little bit of it in every episode, but we saw it specifically in this episode. I really like the decor in Chuck and Morgan's apartment, and I think it sucks mm. that Chuck is purportedly going to leave it. Um, <laughs> like, we've seen a lot of things. Like, we've seen, like, the posters and the, like, video game things, but there's, like, a cool, like... They have like a cool red kind of like a red color scheme of like, I think it's like a game cabinet or like a table or something like it was cool. And it was like a lot more than I would expect like them like in real life. I don't think those two guys would have that nice of an apartment unless like Ellie came over and did it for them. So I thought it was cool. Good set design. Yeah, that's a good point. I think if I think you're right, like I think especially like in season one, the way that Chuck and Morgan referred to, they would not have yeah. as well of a put together apartment. But yeah, I also found myself admiring the apartment. Yeah, it was, like, it was nice. As a as a teenager watching Chuck, I was like, I hope my apartment looks like this apartment someday. Yeah. And as it and now it know, does. And now it does not. As a young adult watching it, I was like, I wish my apartment looks like this someday. Do you want to go first for a kill as well? Sure, I think the use and the execution of the airstrike was questionable. <laughs> As it usually is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to find an airstrike where you're like, 100%, that was a, <laughs> the right choice. Um, 
Beckman calls the orders because Shaw's tracker has been in one stationary location for a while. But what if he was just stuck in traffic and she just bombed <laughs> like a freeway? Because she's like, yeah. well, this must be the spot. Like, no, what if he was just held up? Yeah. Um, obviously, you were making fun of the quality of the CGI bomber plane in your review. Because mm-hmm. you kept saying that it looked really realistic, which it does not. Um, but Another also, thing, I mean, you're probably going to say this. Like, it it was flying like feet so above. So low yeah. to the ground. Yes. <laughs> it was like... It, when it bombs the warehouse at the end, you could basically, if you were standing on top of the warehouse and you like <laughs> raised your hands up, you could probably touch the bomber. Yeah. It was that low. Yeah. And it's a stealth bomber, but where it is and the way that it's behaving, I'm like, people in Los Angeles would 100% see this <laughs> and be yeah. terrified of it. And <laughs> the explosion from the warehouse was not that big because Sarah is standing near it and is fine. And Chuck and Shaw come out of it and they're seemingly okay. It just was felt kind of sloppy and just kind of weird. Um, I'm sure it had something to do with the budget. Yeah, I'm sure. But I feel like they could have had a a different way of having the effect of Chuck rescuing Shaw without it necessarily being that bomber situation. But I, I also wanted to point out that you mentioned Ellie and Devin's plans to go to Africa mm-hmm. in the first act. Mm-hmm. That does not come up ever again oh, in yeah. the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Which I would like to kill as well. Yeah. We're we're set up in the first act to learn more about what they're going to do and they yeah. just never find out. Nope. And maybe that's something for next week, but I also just think that Ellie's relationship with Chuck has really disintegrated yeah. since season one, and I think that's a bummer. Yeah. And especially if this was, like, a plan to be the finale, like, you would have thought that we would get, like, more Ellie and Devin, like, or well, more. Well, it's going to be the second to last episode. Oh, so, okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, my kill is just very simple, but uh, Jeff calls Sarah a fro-yo-ho, and um, while that is a rhyming turn of phrase, I would like to strike it from the episode, because I did not like it. I did not care for it. So you're calling that a fro-yo-no-no? Yes, I am. Maybe that's the last time that Sarah is alluded to in a Froyo manner. It might be. If the the orange orange is gone, who knows? Yeah. But maybe it's still there. Maybe We'll find out together. Where the orange orange now stands, another restaurant used to stand, and that was called Wienerlicious, and its proprietor was named Scooter. And every week we do the Scooter scale in memory of Scooter, where we uh, rate the episode that we've just watched on a scale of zero to five corn dogs which is a hot dog uh, that is dipped in corn batter and then fried. Thank you for explaining that. I always kind of wondered. You are welcome. Sometimes it has a stick in it. Yeah, they usually have sticks on them. They're yeah. usually a pretty portable snack. You might yeah. find them at a... A uh, fair? A, a fair, beach? an amusement park, a beach, a street vendor. So <laughs> my rating, um, I'm going to give this episode <laughs> a uh, 4.5. I enjoyed the episode. I like we've we've said enough about the flaws. I agree with all of Chris's kills, but I thought that it was genuinely pretty exciting. Um, I will. I reserve the right to change my mind as the uh, season continues. I know that Shaw as a villain is highly questionable among the Chuck fandom, but I think that this is kind of an interesting subversion of like 
I think um, Alan Sepinwall wrote this in his review about how, like, it was kind of anticipated that, like, Shaw was going to be, like, a mole for the ring the whole time, or, like, he was going to be bad in some capacity, or, like, mm-hmm. maybe if he was going to be a good guy, like, he would get killed at some point. Like, that's usually the way that they get, like, the romantic rivals out of the way. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting, like, the idea that, like, he's turned by, like, this core... Like, his his driving factor was, like, his wife's death, and, like, now that he knows that Sarah was the killer, like, that turns him, like, that's, maybe that's kind of weak, but also, like, I haven't ever seen that really done before, so it's kind of interesting, at least, like, in this capacity, and I think it's genuinely scary, because, like, Sarah doesn't know, and, like, why would she suspect that, like, Shaw is, like, taking her away to, like, get revenge in some capacity, I think what exactly Shaw does with it, like, if he goes ahead and, like, joins the ring, which I feel kind of like is what happens, like, that kind of doesn't seem legit, but I think in this episode it works for me. Um, Mm. And I thought that the train parallels, like, the, um, everything, like, calling back to, like, earlier episodes in the season, I thought really worked. Again, it's kind of weird that this is, like, not the final episode or the penultimate episode of the season, but, like, it it still kind of worked. Mm -hmm. So... 4.5. 4.5. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was not perfect, but like getting there. Well said. I think the, uh, I remember the, the, the twist with Shaw in the previous episode mm-hmm. when they first, when Sarah was talking about her red test and mm-hmm. I had completely forgot about it. But then once I saw the footage of Sarah in the red test, I was like, oh, I remember yeah. what happens. It's going to be such a good twist. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it would have been kind of interesting to see if Shaw was a mole the entire time. Mm-hmm. I think that could have been interesting, but. Yeah. I like the way that they, I think it's a cool turn that they, like you said, his core principles have been, the ring is like, nope, we're going to take ownership over you. And like, we have, you're actually need to reassess who your, your bad guys are, who you're, who yeah. you're trying to take down. So I uh, will also give this episode a 4.5. Woo! I think the last third of this episode is fantastic. The beginning is fantastic as well. Um, there's some questionable choices made throughout that we've discussed and, I wish there was a little bit more like humor or quirkiness, mm-hmm. but overall, I think it was an emotional, action-packed, suspenseful episode. And I think, I don't know about you, but I feel like something about this episode makes you realize how far all of the main characters have yeah, gone I agree. since the start of the episode yeah. or the start of the series. It just, like Chuck was talking about how he's not the same person that he was mm-hmm. when Sarah first met. And then mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, that's that's valid. And yeah. then you look at all the other characters and you're like, Morgan's grown a lot, Casey's yeah. grown a lot, especially in the past few few episodes. You're Sarah's bringing a tear grown. to my eye. Uh, Devin, I guess, has grown a lot. Yeah. A little bit. Now He's he has anxiety. <laughs> Ellie has not really grown because they really haven't given her anything to do or yeah. any kind of character development, which I think is too bad. Yeah. But. Yeah, so uh, based on our ratings, I know this is the season of Aaron, but it also seems a little bit the season of Chris. Is it? Can it be the season of Chris? It might be. Are we we'll, going to change it? Oh. We'll, uh, we'll see moving forward. Oh. We'll see. By the was, end of our season, we'll see if this is the season of Chris. Well, if not, I mean, then the next season can be the season of me. And I, neither of us, we, we constantly say how neither of us remember anything about season four of Chuck. Yeah. And it could be great. It could be not great. I really have no idea. Maybe so, that's the season of Chris. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Who knows? Uh, so... Thank you again for listening. I hope you have had a, I hope you've enjoyed this revisiting of Chuck versus the American hero. And uh, if you want to be an American hero, feel free to rate, review and subscribe. Oh, I thought you were going to say, if you want to be an American hero, make sure you sign up for the U S (laughs) military.
So accepting all applications. There's a lot of U.S. military ads on Freeform, which I think is pretty interesting. I don't have, I don't know the rationale for that, but I think it's well, interesting. Isn't Freeform more geared towards like teenagers? Yeah, I guess. So but, then they're just trying to advertise to teenagers. Yeah, or trying to decide yeah, what to do with their lives. Pretty much U.S. military and like uh, the commercial that's like about quitting vaping. So I mm. guess I guess those are both appeal to teens. Yeah. That's what the kids are doing these days, vaping and joining the military. Quitting vaping, Chris. Oh, vaping is sorry. bad. Vaping is bad from what yeah. I hear. I gather. Yeah. Don't vape. Don't vape. Anyhow, <laughs> on that note, my name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. And my name is Aaron Arata, letting you know that anything is possible. And also don't Even vape. A, also, anything is possible, like a movie called Agent Toby oh Marks my God. that has nothing to do with Agent Cody Banks or Agent Cody Banks 2. It's insane. There's no correlation. Someone, the only correlation is the pun of a title, which someone came up with. And a like, very it's sloppy, not, not like, great pun. Yeah, and that's not really, like, Agent Cody Banks is only, like, it's a thing because of the movie. Like, it's not like, it's not a famous, like, if it was a pun on, like, Mission <laughs> Impossible or, like, James Bond or something, that would be one thing, but Agent Cody Banks, like, are <laughs> Kids, kids don't even know what that is. Like, so if this movie is geared towards kids, You're I right. don't it's know. A ref- it's a reference. It's this is a D-list <laughs> movie that is a reference to a B and or C-list movie yeah. from almost twenty years ago. Yeah. At this point, that no one's gonna know. I guess it's uh, a classic. So Maybe I think it what is. We need to, Aaron and I are gonna go now and rewatch the trailer yeah, for Agent Toby Marks. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Agent Toby Barks. One more time. Break it down. It's go time. Yeah.